Hey guys, welcome back to the Cowboy Stories and welcome to my interview with Tyson Johnson. Tyson is currently the manager of Sooner Cattle Company and he lives in Oklahoma with his wife and his kids. Um, he shares a lot about his background throughout this episode and shares some advice and I'm excited for you all to hear it. But before we get into that, I just wanted to share a few things that I feel like I haven't um, shared in a while. The first one is that at the end of our show notes, I don't know how many of you know this or not, but there's a link at the bottom that says support this podcast. I get a lot of questions um, from people, whether they're sending me DMs or emails about how they can support this podcast and keep it going. And that is one of the ways that you can. Um, like I said, it's a link at the bottom of the show notes after every episode it says support this podcast, you click on it, and then it gives you a few different options to choose from. Also, if you know somebody who would be a good fit for the podcast, I get a lot of questions um, wondering if I've talked to this person or that person. The best way to get a hold of me and to make sure you don't fall through the cracks is to send me an email. So my email is cowboystoriespodcast at gmail.com, and I would love to get any recommendations that you have. But with all that being said, let's dive right into today's episode. Thanks again for agreeing to do it. I appreciate it. You bet. Um, do you just want to start off by introducing yourself and then tell us a little bit about your childhood and how you got involved in this lifestyle? You bet. Um, so, Tyson Johnson, I was raised in uh, Kanab, Utah. And... <clears throat> Like a lot of people just raised on a ranch. My my parents owned a ranch there outside of Kanab and and uh <clears throat> grandparents. Um so I was kinda raised raised in that atmosphere. We you know, as a young young child then really I had more interest in athletics and um probably staying in town and being with friends than necessarily out on the ranch but as a lot of people know when you're raised on the ranch then excuse me at a certain point then you don't have a lot of options and you just go to work and even though I really always enjoyed uh, riding and wanting to learn how to rope and kind of uh, do those things um, that real early age then it was excuse me then it was uh more athletics and and kind of being in town and then when i was probably uh, 12 or 13 years old then we would and we'd go out you know the ranch was an hour from town um and so during the summers we'd go out and 
basically live at the ranch. And then during the school, school years, my mom taught school and we had a house in town. And so we'd live in town during the school, um, school year. But so as I was about 12, 13, then, you know, I quit playing sports through the summer and just, you know, stayed at the ranch the whole time and, um, really kind of enjoyed it. But my, probably my passion for ranching came uh, when I was a little older and, um, I can remember kind of the summer I had an older brother that had left home. And so I was the oldest at the time and, and, was at the ranch at my by myself and so had to do a lot of things you know just by myself as far as you know move cattle and uh put up hay and and just a lot of things and i think that's uh really when i kind of fell in love is when it was my responsibility and i had to you know, it was up to me to get it done and then you could get done at the end of the day and look back, you know, whether it was a hay field that you'd, you know, cut, bailed and hauled or whether it's a, you know, a pasture that you'd worked on and cleaned out and moved, you know, moved there, all the cattle. And you look back and kind of realize, hey, that was something tangible or something that you could see an accomplishment. And that's really kind of when I kind of fell in love with with agriculture in general. Um, we also, and it's the only thing that I've really done for the most part. Um, there was a few years later after college that, that, uh, I worked for a, a, uh, school, but other than that, um, the only money I've ever been, that I've ever made was, was in agriculture and uh, most of it, you know, ranching with cattle or horses. So. Uh, but that's early on. That was kind of my, how I grew into <clears throat> having a desire of, of wanting to ranch or want to cowboy. I think it's neat that it wasn't until you kind of saw the fruits of your labors by mm-hmm. yourself, like something that you had done when you really grew to like it. I think that's something that a lot of, I don't know, a lot of ranch kids kind of have a benefit over other kids in that aspect because they can see that earlier on in my opinion with with small simple chores or something yeah i agree i mean i i can almost remember that you know the day or i can remember where i was you know uh the first time that you really truly felt that sense of accomplishment and the feeling that came with it and and so i do i agree and and looking back at it now too, it's amazing the responsibility uh, that my dad gave us um, or gave me uh, at a young age. You know, of his livelihood being, you know, being determined by a you know fifteen or sixteen year old boy on whether he you know put the hay up at the right time and so it's bailed with the right you know. Uh, moisture and and we weren't big farmers and so we didn't have all the machinery it was you know the old style of grabbing the alfalfa and twisting it and if you can get three turns on it and it doesn't break you know it's ready to bail type of deal and 
Um, and so you do, you think back about how much responsibility you have on some, someone's livelihood or a family's livelihood at such a young age still kind of surprises me that we do that in agriculture, which is a good thing, but it's, I think it's unique to agriculture. Yeah, for sure. I agree. So was your dad probably the biggest influence that you had um, when you were younger, or were there other people that you learned from as well? You know, there's, there was other people. Um, you know, my older brother had a big influence on me, and I, we spent a lot of time together. And, of course, being the younger brother, then, uh, and he spent a lot of time with my dad, so he'd learn from my dad, and then he would teach me, and... So I learned a lot from him and, and uh, a lot from my dad. I really looked up to my grandpa. My grandpa was a uh, well-respected um, cow man in the community and, you know, had bought and paid for a ranch when he was young and um, and just, a, you know, a cowboy cowboy. If you're not going to do it horseback, you're, you're not going to do it. Um, and had a lot of respect and admiration for him and then, you know, through life, there's been several people that's really kind of, I guess, been influential in um, either um, helping my skill set or um, shaping your perceptions or opinions on, on uh, you know, the cowboy way of life or, or the trade of cowboying. You mentioned college earlier. Um was there ever a time where you thought maybe you wouldn't go to college or I guess what helped you make that decision to, to go instead of just keep cowboying somewhere else? You know, it's a, it's an interesting question. And, and it's, for me, it's been kind of a unique story because, um, when I graduated high school, then I told myself, I'm never going to sit in a classroom again. I'm done. Um, you know, I just, I don't like sitting there. I don't, I want to go do something. Uh, I want to be outdoors and, you know, I'm, I'm just done. And <clears throat> over the next couple of years, I, I can remember I spent, uh, one afternoon with a retired federal judge, uh, just kind of by chance. And, and he had told me, uh, you know, he, he says education doesn't determine success, but it does create more freedom because with education creates more opportunity and opportunity. When you have the opportunity to choose A or B, then it gives you the freedom. And that always kind of just really, for some reason, stuck with me that I, one thing about uh, life is I like being independent. I like having my freedom and being in the driver's seat of of determining my destination as much as I can. And so it just rang a bell with me. And and so I did. I went back to school and, and ended up getting my bachelor's. I ended up graduating from Arizona State University with a, a you know, bachelor's in agribusiness. And one reason I went the business route is is one I I've always kind of liked business. My dad's a very entrepreneurial um, individual and and uh, a successful businessman, and it's something that I think that's the other part of agriculture that 
and ranching that I liked as I can remember at a young age, my dad talking about the business side of it. You know, I remember as a, just as a little kid <clears throat> sitting on his lap and him saying, you know, Hey, let's talk business. Are we going to, what kind of bulls are we going to use this year? Or what do you think we ought to do? Should we sell these calves or should we keep them? You know, I can just remember those kind of, uh, and I, I'm sure it's just him, you know, making small talk and trying to entertain a, what, you know, a kid. But I think that instilled the love of business for me. And I felt like I had enough, um, real life experience on in ranching that if I got a business degree, it would help market myself if I needed to. I never really intended on working for anybody. I always wanted to just do my own thing and try to ranch and um, and have my own own business or my own you know um, own thing going. And so. But I always remembered that quote of, of education creates freedom. And so so I ended up finishing school at Arizona State. Um, after I graduated there at Arizona State, I worked on some um, yearling, yearling outfits there in the, in the valley. Ran a lot of Mexican uh, cattle and worked there for a couple of years and then um, Interesting, and this is what I was alluding to at the time, is I, you know, I was out of college, I was working on a ranch and trying to figure out, you know, hey, what do I want to do, you know, for a living or, you know, is agriculture or is ranching, is it what I truly love or is it the only thing that I know? And so I, I was looking for a small business. I thought, I'll I'll try to buy a small business. I knew I liked business. I'll try to buy a small business and and see if it's, you know, if this is my passion or if I can do other things in life. And so I actually end up opening up a school for a company out of Salt Lake City that worked with um, kind of learning disability children and, and adults. Kind really? of a physio, yeah, physio-neural therapy. Is what they called it. It was physical exercises that would strengthen the neurological pathways in in, in the mind, and and it was really unique. Um, I would do that. Most of the students were afternoon, either after school or after work, and so I end up working, going to work for a cutting horse trainer there in the Phoenix Valley by the name of Wes Sutton. Uh, and I would go, you know, show up at his barn at five in the morning or whenever it was, work till noon, run home, put on a suit, go to the school and and kind of teach and manage the school until, you know, six or seven that night in the evening. And and it was a really it was really good for me because one I wasn't raised showing horses or trying to train performance horses by any means. And I never really had a desire to get into the show world, but I loved horses. I loved riding horses and training horses. And I wanted to, to have the ability to train a horse that when I went to someplace to help them out, 
then I could ride a good horse, you know, was kind of my goal. And I had this chance to, to go work for this cutting horse trainer. And so and I did that for about three years and it was a really good experience for me because, um, you know, one, we, we rode some high quality, high caliber type horses. And so, which I'd never done before and that really to train a horse or to be a good horseman in my opinion it kind of comes down to two things and that's feel and timing and if you never feel a horse you know cut a cow or stop or come you know come through itself or if you never feel a horse move right then you don't know what you're trying to accomplish or how to train a horse to move that way and so when you go work for a trainer and you're riding, you know, 20 horses a day, every day, um, you get to feel that often. And then the other part of it's just working on your timing on when to ask them, you know, getting them set up and when to ask them to, to move or how to move. And so <clears throat> to me, that was a, a great blessing that I had in my life was the chance to go work for, you know, a performance horse trainer, a cutting horse trainer, and and having that um, opportunity to kind of pick up that arsenal, I guess, uh, you know, for for the future. And and then in the afternoon, I was teaching those schools, and I remember, and I, was, I did that for about three years, and I can remember I just, you know, in the afternoon, I'd drive in towards Phoenix um, from the East Valley, and and I'd be looking at the Superstition Mountains out in the distance, and I would just think, man, I I wish I was just out in the middle of those mountains, you know, instead of in, in the city. And and so after about three years, I had a chance to uh, – I decided that I was wanting to get into, you know, agriculture or into ranching mainly, and that was really what my passion was. It wasn't – you know, I could do probably anything I wanted to do as far as, you know, and just get through life. But really, it's it's ranching that was my passion. And so I had a chance to move back to to Canab and manage the ranch that I grew up on for my in the meantime, my dad had sold that ranch and we'd bought a, a ranch in eastern Arizona. And uh I had a chance to move back home and and manage that ranch I grew up on, which led to other opportunities to get out on my own. But um, so that was kind of my, I guess, early stage of, you know, through college and after college. You know, during college, I worked in some feed yards, rode pans at the feed yards in, in that Phoenix Valley or south of Maricopa. Um, which was a good experience um, and and taught me a lot as far as just how to see cattle. You know, growing up on a cow-calf operation, you don't, you don't see a lot of sick cattle and you don't handle a lot of yearlings, even though we may keep our calves over from time to time. But going to work in the feed yards, in fact, I had the cow boss there who I got to become good friends with told me, one time he says every every good cowboy and every good horse has worked in the feed yard for three months but no longer 
and uh, I thought that was pretty kind of unique because you can get kind of sour in those yards. The horses can, and and your animal handling skills can. If mm-hmm. but but you have a chance to see a lot of cattle and pick up an eye for cattle because you're that's what you're doing every day. You know, I mean, <clears throat> I rode the size of the pen that I rode. You know, was. 10 to 15,000 uh, ad that I would look at, at, you know, six days a week. We'd work six days a week. and um, So you just got to see a lot of cattle. I bet that's been pretty beneficial for you now, too, to be able to recognize those sick cows probably quicker than, than other people who haven't had that kind of experience. It has. It was very beneficial. I mean, it's uh, not only does it you gain experience in the, you know, the whole supply chain in the beef industry. Um, but you also acquire, you know, it's kind of another tool bag tool that you can put in your tool bag as far as just, uh, trying to acquire an eye. And it's, you know, it's funny. I'll, uh, tell you this story because that having an eye to see cattle, it's, it's, it, you know, I you, I guess you can train it on it a little bit, but some people have it, some people don't. There was a cowboy there that worked there, and he'd been there for 30-something years or 28 years, I mean, a long time. And they would keep, at that feed yard, then they would keep record of, of the deads in the pens that you rode, you know, so everybody kind of had their pens. And so you would get every week or, you know, every month and you would get a list of everybody's deads. And this guy had the almost the highest death loss uh, rate than anybody in the yard almost all the time. And been there, you know, like I say, over 20 years, 28 years or something. And I remember asking the cow boss, you know, like what? What? Why? You know? Why is this? Why is he's been here this long? That much experience? But I can see from the sheets that, and he has as much death loss as anybody. And I remember he said, "Well, two things to learn. One is it's a talent. Some people have it. Some people don't." And he says, two, he's never been fired because he's the first one here in the morning." So I thought that was a pretty pretty unique, you know, that yeah. one, you know, you show up to work every day and that probably makes up, you know, for some inadequacies. And then two, you know, really ha- try to develop your talents the best you can and the, the, I guess, to try to figure out what those are. Yeah. So when, when you moved back to Canab to manage that, was it hard for you to leave the business that you had created in Phoenix? Or did you just know that that wasn't what you wanted to do anymore? That you just wanted yeah. to Yeah. That's a good question. I it it was hard to leave some of the people and relationships that I'd built. Um but it wasn't necessarily hard to leave the business because, you know, that's one reason I I you know, went that route or tried that venture is to try to figure out, 
hey, is is ranching a passion for me? Is it a love? Or is it just all that I know because it's the only thing I've ever done? And so, you know, after three years in, you know, kind of in the office in the afternoons and, and being in the city, and then I just, I knew that, you know, uh, cattle or, or ranching is where I wanted to be. And so it wasn't hard to leave the business, but it it's always harder to leave the people um, that you build relationships with. That makes sense. Do you mind telling us so how you ended up where you're at today from from Canab? Yeah. Um and so I'd moved back home and and managed that ranch uh for my dad. Well, from the people that bought that ranch for my dad for a couple of years and then had a chance to go out on my own and just a really unique situation and end up leasing a ranch there in northern Arizona um, and a fairly sizable ranch but just kind of a unique situation and and was there for uh, I think six or seven years um, and you know just had a, a great opportunity to kind of get ahead in life and um, get something started and, and was on my own and then I basically end up, you know, losing the lease. The people that I was leasing it from went another route. And it was, at the time, the cattle market was just uh, as high as it had ever been. And so I thought, you know, most of the time uh, in ranching, your wealth is created in owning the land. Um, has been my experience and so I had quite a bit of equity in in my cattle just because of the uptick in the market and so I thought you know this would be a good time to kind of sell out or you know I can sell out or sell part of my cattle and and get out of debt and still have quite a few cows left over that I could would be you know would own out of free and clear and and so Kind of back to the education part of it. When I was in school, I'd, there was a part of me, um, well, the same thing. When I graduated from Arizona State with my bachelor's, then I said the same thing. I said, I'm done going to school. Um, I'm done sitting in a classroom. I, I've had enough of it. Well, over the next, you know, uh, seven or eight years or ten years, whatever it had been, then there was part of me that thought, you know, I had to go back to school and get a master's or, you know, just get more education because society puts a, a high role on, you know, uh, value on it and it does create more freedom. And so. Never say never, right? Never say never. <laughs> That's exactly right. And so when I kind of lost the lease, during that time then I thought you know the cattle market at that point was as high as it's ever been I could sell out kind of rat hole you know the what I'd made off the cattle and let the let the market come back down uh, and then buy back into it and buy two for one and so I thought this would be a good time you know my kids are or young, if I ever want to go back 
to grad school, now would be the time. And then I can kind of play the market a little bit too. And so at the time I had, um, to back up, it's kind of a neat story. So during one of the summers at Arizona State, I did an internship at the King Ranch in Texas. Okay. And long story short, I had I, I knew so at the time Paul Janot was the the general manager of the King Ranch, or whatever I'm not sure is the official title, but he was the the manager and of the ranch. And so, and I had known him. <clears throat> Um, to back up further, my last, my last year in high school, then a good friend of mine, um, Danny Button and I went to Florida and worked on, uh, Deseret Cattle and Citrus Ranch for the summer. Paul Janot was the general manager of that ranch at the time. And, and we ended up hanging out with his, spending some time at his house because his kids were, the same age as us and so I had gotten to know Paul through that experience and so you know fast forward I'm at Arizona State I'd heard that Paul had was the manager of the King Ranch and so I reached out to him and ended up getting an intern uh, internship at the King Ranch and the first month that I was there then they didn't have housing for me and so i actually stayed with paul that's pretty cool in his house and so um he told me he says i go to breakfast and i can't remember what time it was you know i go to breakfast at five thirty or at six in the morning down to the little cafe in kingsville and anybody that wants to go with me i'll buy buy their breakfast well i was a poor college student i that sounded like pretty good. So, <laughs> so I, uh, so I'd go to breakfast with him every morning, so I could get free breakfast. And I can remember sitting at the at the table one morning and him mentioning an idea of starting a a institute for ranch managers. You know, taking uh, taking this idea of trying to trying to start a program that that balances um the science and the business of ranch management and trying to develop a, a program around it with you know sustainability or systems thinking as a as a uh, core value and so <clears throat> so I can remember him telling me that that summer and didn't think anything of it. Had a great experience uh, on the King Ranch working with some. You talk about cowboys that influence you. There were some great hands there. Some great cowboys that, um, and just a just a great experience because it was you know so different from what I had come from and um in in some ways a lot of ways the same but so. Fast forward, and I, I know I'm jumping around a little bit, so I I have my own you know own place releasing this ranch. I lease lose the lease on the ranch, 
and decide, you know, hey, I ought to go to grad school. Well, the thought of the this, you know, if I go to get my master's, then I want it to be in, in ranching. And so I, by this time, then Texas A&M Kingsville with Paul Janot and, and, you know, the founding individuals of that started the, the, the program. It's called the King Ranch Institute for Ranch Management. And they accept three students a year. Um, it's a, just an exceptional program. Um, so I applied for that, end up getting in, getting accepted into that program was there it's a two-year program with a summer internship well um that summer then for my internship and the school sets it sets all this up so uh, dr mathis uh, the director of the institute called me in his office and says hey i have a summer internship for you um we're going to send you to Uruguay to work for with this company to do some financial analysis on ranches in Uruguay. And so that summer they they took my family, I took my my wife and two kids, and we went to Uruguay for that summer and just looked at ranches basically. Um studied the the economy of, of beef production in Uruguay and then looked at specific large ranches and did some financial analysis on them and, and then of course reported it back to to the company and so halfway through my second year um, we're trying to decide hey are we going to move back home or are we going to you know we're starting to get some job offers from different people or some interviews and what are we going to do? Well, I didn't have a crystal ball because the cattle market had still went up after I sold out. And so my plan of, of, you know, thinking it was going to come back down wasn't, uh, uh, wasn't true. And so I couldn't go back home and, and buy, you know, two for one like I was planning on doing. And so trying to decide what to do. And anyways, the the company I work for now reached out to me and, and offered me a job, uh, and which I accepted. We went to Florida and worked on on the ranch there for about eight months. Um, and then I got uh moved or promoted and managed a ranch in West Texas for them and then um from there moved up to northern Oklahoma which I, I am where I am now and and managed a ranch up here uh in Oklahoma for them, Oklahoma and Kansas. And so roundabout that's kind of a long as far as just career path that I that I took to end up where I'm at now. I think that's cool. I think it's neat that you did have so many opportunities like that because you listened to that guy after school. You went to college, and then listening to that gut feeling of furthering your education led you to Uruguay. Like, how many people can say that they've had that 
kind of opportunity to look at different ranches in that many different parts of of the world. You know, it's it's so true, and you never know. Um, and I'm and I'm sure. You know, and that's just one one experience in my life that where somebody has influenced it, I guess. But I'm sure to this day, of course, I'm sure that guy's passed away by now. He was older when I was with him, but um, I'm sure he has no idea the, you know, the impact of that little, you know, uh, I guess, principle or, or idea had on me. You know, I'm I'm sure he has no idea that it impacted me like it like it did, and and there's been many of you know I think um, many of those little little um, insightful or or little you know things that someone says or you see somebody and it just sticks with you and and you know influences your decisions or influences you know, where you're at in life. And I think it's the same way with us. We have no idea, you know, probably good or bad on, you know, the impact that we might have on somebody's life uh, and have just, just have no idea. Yeah. Kind of a big responsibility to carry around if you really think about it. Yeah. And you don't, and you don't think of it that way. I mean, it's just, it's just somebody, you know, just being who they are and, you know whether it's in a, a small conversation or whether it's in a, a serious discussion. You know, I mean, it's I guess it's just all part of life, and I think it's it's part of you know those relationships that we we gain in life. Yeah. What would you say the best part about living the kind of lifestyle that you do has been? You know, there's a lot of things that I really enjoy about about ranching um kind of going back to the earlier part of our conversation is i really enjoy the satisfaction that comes from seeing something that you've accomplished you know um which you know which you can you can do whether it's you know regardless of what part of ranching it's in but it's it's easy to get that uh sense of accomplishment. I really enjoy, um, you know, the outdoors. Uh, and I think that's a big reason that a lot of us, uh, cowboy or, or live this lifestyle is that we can be outdoors. I can remember, um, as a kid, when we would go spend the summers at the ranch, then, you know, we, my brother and I just slept on the porch. We just had a mattress and we just slept on the porch. It was just kind of a one-room cabin, and my parents would stay inside, and we'd stay outside. And, and uh, <clears throat> I can still, re- you know, still feel the, you know, the fresh air and that breeze, you know, through the night on my face. And and in fact, it would when we'd go in town, uh, you know, on the weekend or or for Sunday, then. And I would go back in my room to go to bed. I couldn't. I couldn't sleep. And there'd be many times I'd go out outside and go, you know, on the trampoline or go, you know, get a cot and set it up outside so I could sleep. And um, because I felt claustrophobic without that breeze, you know, across my face because yeah. you'd you'd felt it for you know the last three months. 
Um, yeah. And so I think a lot of it's just the love of being outdoors. Um, that concludes part one of my interview with Tyson Johnson. If you like what you're listening to, please leave us a rating and a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Also, like I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, if you'd like to support this podcast, head over to our show notes. There's a link at the bottom that says support this podcast. If you click on it, it'll give you a few different options to choose from. And like always, to put a face behind the name of everybody that we have talked to, you can head over to our Instagram page. Our Instagram is at cowboystories underscore podcast. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you.